Good evening. Yes, I am back. Don't act too upset here. Special thanks to Jeff Lewis for filling in for me last week. Great job. I'm Jared. This is Jake. We are chin straps and baseball caps. Determination, grit, perseverance, and the will to succeed. All that and more coming up on our show this week. Okay, so as Jared mentioned, um, this week we're... Did you mention that we're talking about the Boston Marathon? I didn't, no. But we're going to talk about the Boston Marathon. Okay, we're going to talk about the Boston Marathon. Um, this was uh, happened on Monday. This was a very inspiring story to me. Um, I think uh, part of the thing is with running, for some reason, that really hits close to home. And it really feels like it brings up some, some good emotions because everybody's almost everybody can do it. But I wanted to talk about Desiree Linden, who became the first American woman to win the Boston Marathon since 1985. Crazy. Um, the story goes that she has been in a couple Olympics and, and had some good finishes in the Boston Marathon before. But this is her first time winning it, of course, since she probably wasn't around running it in 1985. But, um, yeah, so she ran the Boston Marathon... Um, if I was listening to an interview with her where she was talking about this and she mentioned just briefly that she almost didn't run. So I thought, oh, I, I kind of want to get the information on this. So I started looking for it to find the find more information on why she almost didn't run. So her story is that she has been around for, for a little while running these races and um, she was getting ready for it and she just really couldn't ever get into a rhythm. She'd have a couple of good days here and there but for the most part, her rhythm was just not there. Um, then the the situation, like the, the the conditions of the Boston Marathon were really cold and really rainy. And so she almost dropped out because she didn't want to uh, cause herself any per- like long-term damage by running this race. And so she nearly dropped out. Um, she kind of goes into a little bit of detail that the reason why she didn't drop out was because she was there. I might as well run it. Um, the other part is, is she had a, a friend that and a teammate that was running it with her. And she's like, hey, you know, if you need me to block the wind for you, I'll block the wind for you. If you need me to help you set the pace, I'll do that. Kind of sacrificing herself to help her teammate win because she just didn't feel like she was going to be feeling it that day. And then here she is. She wins the race. And it's a, a phenomenal story to me. I think one of the purposes that I've had in this podcast is using sports to tell a narrative about life and how life can, you know, how, how different things can impact us in life. And here you have a, a runner that gets inside her own head about, mm, I'm just not feeling it. I don't think I can do it. Wouldn't it be just easier to quit? You know, I, I, why run it? And then she's just there. So she's like, mm, I'm here. I might as well go. And and she just said, I'll just take it one mile at a time. That was kind of her saying. But I was thinking about my own life. The reason why this <clears throat> story stuck out to me so much is because how many times in my life that just going through the daily grind of things that I can honestly say I, w- I wake up in the morning and I think, oh, man, do I want to do this again? Well, I'm here. I might as well give it a shot. And that's kind of the only way I've talked my way through it. 
So I think the the emotions that I've tried to capture in this podcast and hope to kind of share with people about sports is that these situations are real. They get into the, she has a situation where she has a mind a, a roadblock in her own mind come up and she decides to persevere through it and and go 1 mile at a time. And then here she is celebrated as the winner of the Boston Marathon. I thought it was tremendous, a tremendous story. Yeah, and it goes back to what we talked about um well, two weeks ago, brick by brick, mm-hmm. you know, one mile at a time. You used an analogy last time, the last time I was here, um, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I mean, this is a perfect example of someone who really didn't want to do it. I mean, she wasn't feeling it. She didn't think she was going to be her best. And she just said, I'm going to take it one mile at a time. I'm going to go for it. Um, I'm going to get up and we'll see what happens. And then she ends up winning the thing. I mean, I can't even imagine... First off, I hate to run. It is, I, I've mentioned this before. It is the worst thing ever. I mean, I would use the rain as an excuse. I'd use the sunshine as an excuse. But <laughs> it's she, too sunny out. Yeah, it's too sunny. I'm not doing it today. It's too hot. It's too hot. It's too cold. They do it at nighttime. It's too dark. <laughs> no, anything's an excuse for me when it comes to running. But but she goes and she does it, and she ends up winning this thing. First American in how long? Since 1985. 1985. Well, in the women's division. Sure, sure. I mean, what an inspiration to all of us that, you know, there are those times where we think we cannot go any further. We just can't push any further. And she does it. One mile at a time. Well, what I appreciated from her is that she was so forthcoming with how she felt going into yeah. it. And... You know, I think the situation, like each one of these marathons have different circumstances, different conditions. Um, Runners, the leaders will pace at a different pace. Usually the thing they didn't mention is actually I saw it mentioned briefly is she had the slowest time since 1978. That was the slowest women's time for a winner. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is it's not even worth really mentioning. And I, I even hesitated to bring it up in this because it's not even worth mentioning because the circumstances are different. The storm, the weather, everything else, the thing that is important to come out of this is the triumph that she she felt and coming in and and attacking kind of her own roadblocks that she put in front of herself to go forward and do this. And the, the idea of one mile at a time, I cannot express enough how many days I've faced waking up in the morning when I've been caught in some crap hole, you know, horrible situation, and I don't know if I can do this, right. you know, well, I'm up, I might as well well go after it again today. And so to hear her say that was just, I don't know, it, it resonated with me. Well, I'm actually glad you brought up that this is the slowest win, um, was it ever? Since 1978. Okay. Because, you know what, that also brings forth another another issue i suppose that she's gonna have to face so here's someone who like we said doesn't feel good doesn't really want to do this doesn't think she can give it her all she ends up winning it well critics are gonna say yeah you won it but x y and z right so there's another challenge another roadblock that she's gonna have to go through to be able to say yeah i did win it and it was the slowest time since 1978 but that doesn't matter this is what I did. This is what you can take from it. Because there's always going to be critics in our life. No matter what. No matter what we're doing. If we're succeeding. If we're failing. It doesn't matter. There will always be critics in our sure. life. 
And I think one of the reasons why I even highlighted that is that it hasn't been mentioned because the people that are talking about it right now usually know something about running mm-hmm. and know about how that race was going. You know, I, I've watched the Tour de France for many, many years. And the one thing that I rarely ever hear is the finish time compared to previous finish times. Mm. And they change the course and they do some other things, but they rarely talk about the speed comparisons or anything like that. Time try, you know, all of that stuff. They don't talk about because the conditions are different on right. a daily basis. So yeah, she might find, you know, I, I heard one little blurb on that and I had to go back and look up the date because I, I couldn't remember. But I heard one little blurb on that. But the people that know are celebrating just her right. accomplishment. Right. The other thing that happened was with her and her teammates, they had seven Americans finish in the top 10. Wow. That was the most in, in quite some time. So it was just like... That's just, crazy. The circumstances that she faced, you know, just highlighting what she was going through beforehand and not feeling well. So I'll have my Uncle Rico moment, Jared. Sure. Yeah, please um, do. I ran a marathon back in 2013, and I really wasn't ready for it. It was a very hard grind to get ready for it, and I think that's why running has resonated with me um, in this regard, these stories that come out of it. But I remember uh, going up to it in training, and I'd been training for months, and then um, got out to run one morning, and I just couldn't do it. And I didn't know what was going on because I physically couldn't do it. It wasn't a mental block. And I told um, my wife, I said, it feels like I'm wearing cement boots. Hmm. It's just awkward. I don't know what's going on. I can't get in a rhythm. It feels weird. So Jeff um, was working for a doctor, and he said, why don't you go in and get checked out it turned out i'd torn the the um what's the word muscle tissue around my calves and so i i wanted to still run this race and the doctor said well we can give you a shot of cortisone you'll have to ride a bike for a while to keep your endurance up and then it will heal and you should be able to run it okay and that it ended up working so i was able to run it but i remember coming up i think it was mile 18 it was the saint george marathon and you come up this hill, and then you look down, and there's this long, long stretch of downhill running. And when you get to that point running, long downhill running hurts like heck. I mean, it's it's about as bad as it gets. Mm. Um, my feet were just slapping the pavement. Every step was excruciatingly painful. And I just didn't know what, what I could do, but it was kind of that same mindset of one step at a time. I was listening to music. One song at a time. Just keep going. And it was really tough. I certainly wasn't running at all near this level, <laughs> like maybe twice as fat or twice as slow. Yeah. But um, it was still just kind of that buildup of going, getting through these challenges to be able to run this race and then having to take it one step at a time. It was extremely difficult. Side note, I was the jerk when you were out running around the neighborhood that was driving my car honking and being like, huh, sucker. <laughs> You know, I, I think about that and I think, because I, 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 I came and watched you run that marathon and I remember that downhill and the entire time I'm watching that, um, as we would go to each different checkpoint and, and try and see where you were, I'm thinking, man, I would have literally just laid on my side and rolled. <laughs> I would have just rolled down the hill. I'm like, forget this. I'm rolling. I couldn't have done it. These people that are doing this, I mean, this idea of one step at a time in in these marathons and running, 
are inspirations to me because it is literally something I could not do. And I, I look up to, to you, to uh, Desiree, for even just completing it. But her story is, is unbelievable. And I think that this is the best part about sports, right? I don't like running, but I can still, um, I can still find something of value in her story for myself. Yeah. And that's what's great about sports. That's what's great about these athletes that go out day after day. Look, it doesn't matter if it's running, football, soccer, baseball, basketball, or curling. It doesn't matter. These people go out day after day and they face adversity. And for the most part, they overcome it. Even Mm -hmm. if they fail, that's part of the adversity, right? And even if they succeed... That's part of the adversity. It it all goes into it, and we can all find something of value from their stories. When I think like that, like that's the thing why I think running resonates with so many people. Because how many have it? How many people have it on their bucket list? I mean, there are people, of course, that hate running, like yourself. Oh yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it lately. I need to get back into it, but have it on their bucket list to run a race, a 5K, a 10K, half marathon, marathon, whatever it is, and they can kind of resonate with these types of situations. But the thing is, is everybody's been through physically daunting challenges. And that's what's highlighted in this story is that she had these physically daunting challenges. Plus the conditions were far, you know, anything less than perfect, far from perfect, I should say, where she's facing these horrible storms and she just kind of, you know, battens down the hatches and, and goes forward and and does it anyway and ends up winning the thing and i think we can resonate with that it's why i i will continue to highlight that mile by mile i mean it's that feeling it was just it kept hitting me of how many times i've woken up thinking i how am i gonna face today (laughs) you know just step by step i i think of that in in my own life so every week jake will send me texts about uh, the things that he wants to talk about in the podcast and I'll go through it and I'll kind of try and think of things from my own life and, and look at the articles that he sent me and try and to try to apply it. And this week, um, just the articles that he sent me, I was able to apply it to a time in my life. This is a absolutely hilarious story, actually. <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, I wanted to play football. All my friends were playing football. So I went down to the local sports store where you sign up for your peewee football or whatever. I was playing for my junior high school, seventh grade. And all my friends, they've already signed up and they're all on the lightweight team. There were three weights of teams, right? Light, middle, and heavy. Which seems ridiculous to me because you've got the lightweight, which is just a bunch of receivers running around. <laughs> it is the middleweight, which is all the people that are just like, mm, do I want to be skinny? Do I want to be fat? What do I want to do too in my life? Too skinny to be lineman, too fat to be receiver. Right. And then you got the heavyweight, which is just a team of a bunch of linemen. I mean, your quarterback's a lineman, your center's a lineman, your receiver's a lineman, everyone's a lineman. So all my friends got put on the lightweight team, and I got put on middleweight. And I'm thinking, crap. Well, okay. So I start going to practice and stuff, and I hated it. Mind you, I hated football. I don't know why I ever played football. And I think that stems from losing every single game I ever played of Madden on N64 to this guy. Boo-hoo, you need a tissue? Look, look. <laughs> Onside kick every single time. I was good at it. What can I say? 
I was perfect, though. I never did anything wrong ever in my life to mess with you or anything. Yeah, sure. Um, I like Jeff better. He takes the blame for our problems. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So anyway, I start playing, and it's awful. My coach's name was Coach Payne. Coach Payne, if you're Payne. listening, I didn't like you very much. <laughs> but I was the kid that literally sat on the sideline. And this is where it gets really funny and pathetic. I sat on the sideline. I wanted my mom and dad to think that I was doing something. So I'd pull grass and I'd rub it on my pads. I had grass stains. I, I mean, good night. I, I I did not like it. And of course, I'm in seventh grade. I think that my parents don't know anything except for when I hear the internet going. I know my mom's looking at my grades and then I'm just hiding under the bed. Back but, in the old dial-up days. Yeah, the old dial-up days. But... I I thought I knew better, and so I, I had this plan of how to get out of it. So there were a few days where I didn't go to football practice. And they didn't really make me, but in my mind I'm thinking, well, they have no idea. Oh, they, they knew. So a few days later, my mom sits me down, and she says, Dallins don't quit. She says, I don't care if you ever play again. You yep. don't ever have to play again, but you will not quit, period. And you can, I, I cried. You have to I, last throughout the season. Yeah, you have to last throughout the season. I oh, cried. I, I didn't that. want to do it. But I, I I went. And I continued to play. I played throughout the rest of the season. And I was done. And I had achieved it. And I was so happy it was over. Well, the next summer, I, I read in the newspaper, hey, sign up for football. Yes, we had newspapers when I was growing up. And... Gosh, you're I, old. <laughs> I went to my dad. I said, Dad, I want to sign up for football. He looked at me like I was the biggest idiot alive. <laughs> He's just like, do you remember last year? He said, that's fine if you want to sign up, but I don't want to hear any complaining, and you will go to every practice. And See, so I, I had the opposite reaction. I thought you were an idiot because I played for one year of football, and I got hit from behind one time, and I was like, nope. I'm done. Well, I'm yeah, out. Your body was smart. Your body was like, hey, that hurts. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. It did hurt. Oh, my body wasn't smart. So I go and I sign up for, for football again. And I had a fun year. It was so much fun. Our coaches were fun. The players were fun. I was on middleweight again. Still didn't know what I was doing. Skinny or fat. Didn't know. But I I ended up starting that year, which was a lot of fun. I had grown up a little bit. And so ninth grade came along and I played again and it was awful again. It was just like... Bad, good, bad, and then I was like, do I want to do this again? And I did. I continued to play throughout the rest of high school. And my sophomore and senior year made it all worth it. Sophomore through senior year, rather. Made those two years with Coach Payne and Coach Teo well worth it. You know, I persevered through that, and I'm not trying to boast of myself, but I, I mean, I wasn't very good up until I made it into high school. And then I still wasn't all that great, but I was I was better. I started, you know, and that was that was my lesson of perseverance. You know, don't give up just because something's hard, just because something royally sucks in the moment. It doesn't mean that it's gonna suck forever. All right, Uncle Rico, you just brought up the second part that I I wanted to talk about because you're talking about the triumph of did you win state? Did you win the championship? No, nope. Did you get a college scholarship? Did you, nope. you know, but you still felt that level of triumph and success. 
And uh, one of the other stories that came out of the Boston Marathon this week was a cancer survivor. Her name is Mary Mary Schertenlieb. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Forgive us if we don't know how to say your name. Um, so she crossed the Boston Marathon finish line at 12.18 a.m. the next morning, 13 hours after she had started the race. She was at mile 15, and her lips were purple. She is a leukemia survivor. Um, she got to the tent, the medical tent. She was shivering with purple lips. She thought she had hypothermia, so she called her boyfriend. Um, he said, why don't you, you know, come back, get showered, you know, warm up, and let's go finish the race together. So he did. They went back to the start or the point where she had um, stopped, and they went and completed the race. Here's, you know, if you look on her story, uh, the one I'm looking at is on ESPN. You know, there she is wearing her bib, running in the dark, and they're recording her, you know, getting up to the finish line. And here she is, a cancer survivor. She's gone through hell and back. And, you know, she takes triumph in the fact that she is able to complete a race, that she had to leave early because of a fear of hypothermia. But there's triumph in the story of Desiree, and then there's triumph in the story of Mary, where she doesn't win anything. I don't even think that, I don't know what the race organizers did, but my guess is she didn't get her medal. She didn't cross the finish line officially. She didn't do any of that, but she was determined to finish the race, and she finished the race. And so she was able to to kind of check that off of her list and gain that triumph there. So your story talking about your kind of progression through football reminded me of, of her story and what she went through to get there. Yeah. I think I said a, her boyfriend. It's her husband. Is actually. it her husband? I wondered. It's interesting because you think about it. So Desiree wins it, right? But... Mary ran the same course. She mm-hmm. ran her race. They were different races. It was the same all-around race, but it was their own personal race, their own personal struggle. And Mary you just ran highlighted the same course. Why I love these stories out of running because everybody's life is different. Right. Everybody's path is different, but your triumphs can be similar. Yeah. And it's interesting both of them are highlighted in ESPN and other news organizations as a triumph. Mary Probably, like you said, probably didn't get her medal, probably didn't get anything out of it other than her own self-satisfaction of, of finishing the race. But she is as highlighted as Desiree is, it, you know, from what I've read. Because they're two separate stories. Same, same course, two different races. Well, she was also able to raise $33,000 for cancer research by running that race. Really? I mean, there was other aspects of the race that she was able to triumph in. And it wasn't just about completing the race or winning the race. It's definitely not about winning the race. I mean, a cancer survivor to go through what she went through and then was able to complete the race. It wasn't about winning the race. Hmm. It was about completing the race. And that those are the types of stories. So you just hit the nail on the head. What I'm trying to describe is these things that we go through in life, everybody goes through different things. And it might just be that you wake up in the morning and it might just be that I, I'm, I'm, I'm here so I'll give it a shot. But it also might be, I'm cold. I've got to stop. i got to take a break. I'm going to come back to it. Right. And here we have an example of, of Mary doing that. And she's highlighted on ESPN, and it is a, a great story. It's a great story to highlight. And every single one of these, no matter where we're at in our life, no matter if we think we're winning 
whether we think we're losing, whatever it is, we can, we can gain something of value, like I said before, from each one of these stories, from Desiree, from Mary. We can take something out of that and say, okay, here's one who said, I'm going to take it mile by mile. Here's one who said, I'm going to get back out there and finish the race. One won the race and one lost the race, essentially. Probably she was one of the last, if not the last person across the finish line. And yet they both, they both have something to, to offer us in our struggles day to day. Yeah. There's another one too that I wanted to highlight. It was a, and these last names are killing me. A woman named Caitlin Keeley, who her boyfriend, Matt Weatherby, um, she pushed him. She wasn't able to get into the Boston Marathon. So she was able to get um, friends and family and, and even had a police escort to run the, the course, the Boston Marathon course, a week in advance. What happened was her boyfriend was playing basketball. He had a really freak accident. He tripped and ran headfirst into a wall, and he's paralyzed from the shoulders down. She agreed two years ago to... Did she agree two years ago? She agreed at some point that they would run the race together. The difficult yeah. part was she was going to have to push him in a wheelchair. And so she did. They weren't able to sign up for the, the race, like I said, but she was able to push him on the course. They got a police escort. They were cheered by family and friends and other onlookers. It took her five hours and 28 minutes. And she highlights the difficult of pushing her, her boyfriend up these hills and how, how hard that was for her physically. But you have a determination of a woman that's promised something to her boyfriend that he physically can't do himself. And so she takes him on that route and does it for him and pushes him through the whole course. I mean, I think it's another situation where a bad circumstance puts a massive challenge in front of these people's lives. And they're able to find a good way to address it by taking on a goal that they came up together that was physically daunting for her. And these people are celebrated. It's, again, another story of triumph. She doesn't get a medal. She doesn't get an official time in, on the Boston Marathon. She wasn't able to enjoy the race day and the, the circumstances of that, the people cheering you on, different things like that. She had a police escort, family and friends cheering her on. It was a story of triumph in a totally different way, but she was able to accomplish her goal and set, her, set an example for, for humanity about you know coming up to these challenges and how do you attack them you know what do you do about them what do you do about the fact that your boyfriend's paralyzed right you find something to do together that will help you achieve accomplishment together and you go out and do it and she showed the world that she was able to do it well and she fulfilled the promise that she made that they would run the marathon together mm -hmm. and i think that's that was the driving force for her and this one, when I opened this, after you text me this, I opened this and watched the video associated with it in the USA Today, and it just warmed my heart. I, I can't even imagine, one, the strength that it must take for her to, to live in a situation where, and I want to choose my words carefully here, her boyfriend is paralyzed from the shoulders down. And it's yet, challenging. She is remaining with them. That's a lifelong marathon right there in of, in of itself, right? Mm -hmm. And so she is remaining with him to do... But not just that. 
then she fulfills the promise to run the marathon together. She doesn't qualify, and so she does it a week before. And, and like you said, uh, she has a police escort, and it even says in the article that it wasn't just family and friends that ended up there cheering and uh, supporting. There were strangers, too. Right. And I don't know much about I've only been to Boston, like, once or twice ever, but... I don't, the people from Boston that I've ever met are just some of the most kind, caring people ever and will cheer you on as a, just as a stranger. Unless you're a Yankees fan. Unless you're a Yankees fan, which fortunately I am. But. Did you say fortunately you are? Unfortunately, especially oh. this year. Um, but here they are. I mean, you've got friends, family, strangers, all cheering them on as she pushes paralyzed boyfriend on this course it's it's amazing to me this is this is what sports is all about this is what an athletic journey is all about right here yeah i think finding those different challenges and coming up with it and i think i wanted to highlight the last one now this this, is my favorite this will get you a little misty-eyed if you haven't had the chance to look at it, you need to go to YouTube and look at Team Hoyt. Just YouTube that, and there's a lot of videos that go with it. So the story is, this is a military man that had a son that was born with severe cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctors suggested to him, to his dad and to his mom, that they institutionalize him. He said, no, he's going to have a normal life. So you see kind of home videos of him taking his son in and out of the pool you know, doing these different things. His son became a big Boston Bruins fan. They were Boston natives, um, big sports fan. Well, I believe it was one of the Boston Brewers players that had a, a charity event for cancer. And he asked his dad, can we run that? Dad's okay, agreed to it. Started off a more than 30-year um, range of these races that they were running. They ran over 30 Boston marathons. Over a thousand races in total, I believe, including Ironmans. You want to talk about getting misty-eyed? You know, watch the video of the the dad picking up his son after the swimming portion, where he is his son is attached to him on his back by a raft. So his dad is swimming with a raft yeah. attached to him, and he swims across the the lake or the river, whatever there, the body of water that they're in. You see him jump out of the water, pick his son up, and then I believe he throws him in either, uh, I think he puts him on a bike. Yeah, I think it is a bike. In the front of a bike, uh, I'm sure a specially made bike. bike, and he does the biking portion, and then he picks him up again and puts him in a, a wheelchair, a running wheelchair, and he runs him to the thing. And so the son talks about his first Boston Marathon. And how when they finished, he got the blanket that all the runners got. And he got, and people were cheering for him. And he, he was just part felt, of it. Yeah, he was a, a part of it. He was this an athlete. Son went on, he graduated high school. He graduated college with this disability. And he talks about that he's lived a very full life. They're able to go around and, and uh, give speeches. Their last, what was supposed to be their last Boston Marathon happened during the bombing. And they were you know, beyond mile 20 and his dad comments that, you know, the police, that's a lot lot more police presence than I remember. And so they found out what was going on. It was just horrible to him. So they agreed, we're going to run one more. So they ran the, the year after, 
Boston Marathon organizers um, honored these these two men with a statue of the dad pushing the son in in his wheelchair um, on the race course. And it's, you know, if you watch the videos, it's like they highlight. He didn't set any records. They didn't right. run any events. They didn't do anything like that. But it's a triumph of a, of a of, of fatherly love, pure fatherly love to provide something for his son, facing enormous challenges and giving him the best life that he can possibly give him. And the son comments, you know, I've had a very fulfilling life. You know, people people think that, you know, I don't have a fulfilling life. I have a very fulfilling life. Graduated college, graduated high school, graduated college. And then he's gone on to compete in all these races right. with his dad. And his dad had to retire because his body was, wasn't holding up. But they still run, I believe they still run short distance yeah. races together. And they have this or this foundation that they started and their motto is yes you can and if it's like i'm saying you're going to want to you know if you're embarrassed by crying make sure you got some onions around start cutting some (laughs) onions gets a little misty in there but you talk about inspirational stories and what they did and just having that determination and that motto of yes you can and an unwillingness to give up despite enormous challenges it's, again, another reason why I love the stories from sports and why it's meaningful to me and why I want to share that with, with people and hope that you know we can be the hands that help lift them up or at least direct them to the stories that will help lift them up. Yeah, yeah and I this one, I'm telling you, I mean, Jake's right. Just be prepared to get a little mis- misty-eyed. Um, Dick and Rick Hoyt. I mean, like Jake said, this is a perfect example of pure fatherly love. He didn't do it for notoriety. He didn't do it for any other reason than he wanted to show his son that you can be normal. Even in the face of your disabilities, you can be normal. You can live a normal, fulfilling life. And then they end up accepting the SB, the Jimmy V Award. Mm-hmm. President Obama talked about them. He, I mean, he was... During the bombing. During the bombing. His speech after the bombing, the bombing, they were like the main focus of perseverance for Boston. Those two. And if you know that story, the way that Boston rallied around oh, each other. Yeah. You know, the Red Sox, that's an event every year. They do the Boston Marathon in the morning. The Red Sox playing in the afternoon. And um, David Poppy giving a really inspirational speech that even the FCC allowed a, an F word or two to slip through. <laughs> saying it was meaningful and, and, and right to allow it to go. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tremendously inspirational and hopeful story. Well, and it just goes to show you that in the face of trials, tribulations, heartache, disability, whatever it is, there are ways to persevere. There is a way to be determined and to push forward. I mean, if anything else, our country has exemplified this so many times over. You know, I think after 9-11, I think the way our country came together, it didn't matter your political belief, your religious belief, didn't matter your gender, nothing mattered. You were an American. And that's, even interestingly enough, you were a Yankees fan as well Well, at that time. (laughs) But, But you did rally around New York and you rallied around... Pennsylvania and you rallied around Washington right. DC and, and you I rallied told around you, Americans because everybody was impacted by that. And I'm a Yankees fan. After the Boston bombing, I was a Boston fan. 
for sure. You know, and that's, again, that's what sports does. Yeah. It's a tremendous story. There's some tremendous stories out there. And I think that's, you know, the, the amount of inspiration that I've received in my life from these types of stories and, and recalling them when I've run into moments of struggle and kind of, you know, a, a addressing a day that, that didn't look to be fun on paper, addressing a situation that looked really un- insurmountable. Um, whatever it might be of recalling these stories and looking at it and having this determination to, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and get through it and, and follow the example of all of these people. I mean, these four stories of these four athletes and what they were able to do and the people around them that they were able to carry or, or whatever. It's a, just tremendous. Yeah. Well, I, I'm grateful for these stories. I'm grateful for the chance that I have to to talk to you about these um, and hear your insight on it and to understand some of these a little bit better because you're right, they are inspirational for sure. Uh, That's all the time we have for this week. Uh, Until next week, keep running. Keep pushing through those walls. Keep being determined. Good night, everybody.